Good evening, Pineview Church. Um, this evening for our Bible study, unfortunately, our uh, screen behind us will not be showing scripture because it's not working properly, but we'll just go through and do it old school. So, But before we start our lesson tonight, uh, let's take a moment and spend some time in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true, that your word guides us and leads us. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. I ask you, Lord, tonight to bless this lesson, bless the hearts of everyone who would be uh, watching and listening to this lesson. And I ask you, Lord, to touch each and every one who has need of healing, who has need of encouragement, who has need of strength. And I ask all this in the wonderful name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. So tonight we're continuing the series that has been on the uh, principles, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. And it is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And it reads as follows. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So in our previous lessons, we have dealt with repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of spirit baptism, the doctrine of water baptism, and laying on of hands. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of the dead. First of all, it's probably safe to say that as Christians, in our daily walk, we don't think about the word resurrection very much. In fact, we probably only think about it on Easter Sunday. And in recent years, I've noticed a lot of people referring to Easter Sunday as Resurrection Day. And it refers to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. But let's talk about resurrection of the dead as it applies to us as well. So first of all, I'd like to talk about definitions for the word resurrection. It means to be quickened, to be made alive, to re-raise to life from the state of death. So when you think about resurrection, you need to understand that something has died and something has been raised back to life. The resurrection of the dead distinguishes Christ from all other gods that were ever worshipped. He is the only one who was raised to life after death. It is through the truth of his resurrection that our hope for salvation lies, because it is through that resurrection that we are promised eternal life. <clears throat> Jesus saved us so that we would also be raised to eternal life upon our death. 
You know, the resurrection, Jesus declared it himself. In John 11, 25 through 27, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked that question to the people that he was directing this to while he walked the earth. He is asking that question tonight of you. Do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? The Apostle Paul, who came to know Jesus only after Jesus had died and was resurrected, was stopped from persecuting Christians from that encounter. The Apostle Paul affirmed the truth of the resurrection. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is the only apostle who didn't know and speak with Jesus while Jesus was alive. Jesus talked to him after he was resurrected from the dead. Again, the Apostle Paul affirms the truth of the resurrection. In Romans 8 and 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And I think the key to that scripture is through his spirit who dwells in you. You need to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you in order for you to experience the resurrection from the dead. Now the resurrection uh, examples aren't only just in the New Testament. There are examples of resurrection in the Old Testament. I'd like to turn you to 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 19. And we're going to talk about the prophet Elijah. In verse 19, it says, And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? He stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. So here we have an Old Testament example of an Old Testament prophet who prayed to the Lord, and the child was resurrected from the dead. Another example of resurrection 
in the Old Testament is now with the prophet Elisha. Elisha was the younger prophet who followed after Elijah. And this is in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and laid on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. He stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again he went up and stretched himself out on the child. Then the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. So here we have the prophet Elijah, who followed after the prophet Elijah and asked to have a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah passed to him. And you see that the Lord gave that to him when he raised the child from the dead. Lastly, in the Old Testament, we're still talking about Elisha, but Elisha is now dead. And that's what this says. In 2 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 20, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And a raiding band from the Moabs invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was that as they were burying Elisha, that suddenly they spied these band of raiders. And they put a man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and he touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So here is a dead man in the Old Testament who was resurrected by the dead, not through prayer, but through the, the sainted bones of the prophet Elijah because they still had the power of God within them. Now we want to talk about examples of the resurrection of the dead in the New Testament. And these are examples of resurrecting people from the dead by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter just died. <clears throat> Come and lay your hand on her, <clears throat> and she will live. Jesus arose and followed him, and so did the disciples. <clears throat> when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. He said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. They ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in. He took her by the hand. And the girl arose, and the report of this went out into all the land. So this is an example of a young girl being raised from the dead by Jesus. Another example 
Carl. I have a Kleenex, please. Another example of resurrection from the dead in the New Testament. <clears throat> Thank you. Is a resurrection performed by Jesus of a man named Lazarus. <clears throat> in John chapter 11, verse 39, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to the Lord, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, Thank you very much. Jesus said to her, Woman, did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. <clears throat> There's yet another example of Jesus raising someone from the dead in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11. Now it happened, the day after, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came, he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak and he presented him to his mother. You may wonder why <clears throat> you may wonder why Jesus raised so many people from the dead in the New Testament. And I believe it is because when he died and he rose from the dead, he wanted people to believe it. So he gave examples of not only the power of God that was working through him, but the power of God that was in him that would allow him to be resurrected from the dead. That is one of the key distinguishers of Christianity from all of the other religions. That Jesus not only was God, but that he also rose from the dead and was resurrected. Now Jesus himself was the 
greatest of all the resurrections that are shown in the Bible. In Luke 24, verse, starting in verse 5, these are the angels who talked to the women who came to Jesus' tomb after he was buried. So the women came to the tomb to try to uh, address the body with the oils and the ointments and stuff. And this is what the angels said to her. Now, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is here. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. So Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself to many people after his resurrection. Here's one of the two of the witnesses that Jesus uh, appeared to after his resurrection. We are in Luke chapter 24, and this is the story in the book of uh, Luke about the two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus. And it says, Now it came to pass, as he, meaning Jesus, sat at the table with him, with them, that he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew it was him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, and they said, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about all these things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. <clears throat> there were additional witnesses to Jesus' resurrection from the dead as he was walking around and appearing to people after he rose from the dead. And now we're going to look at the story of Doubting Thomas, one of the apostles. In, verse, in John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came before. The other disciples said to him that we have seen the Lord. He said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came with the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. 
And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And the Apostle Paul. As I stated earlier in the lesson, the Apostle Paul never walked with Jesus physically while Jesus was alive, but Jesus not, not only talked to him, but appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And he told Paul <coughs> that he was Jesus and that he was alive and that Paul would be one of his um, disciples. But here is where Paul um, attests to other witnesses seeing Jesus after he rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. After that, he was seen by James, then by the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. <coughs> You may wonder why there had to be so many witnesses to the resurrection, why there had to be so much proof. And it is because the religious leaders of that time worked diligently to try to say that it never happened, that Jesus didn't raise from the dead, and that they, they uh, tried to promote a lie that the body was stolen by his followers. They did not want people to believe in the resurrection of the dead because out of the two factions, the Sadducees and the Pharisees that were in power in the Jewish synagogues at that time, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, even though the Pharisees did. So you may be asking yourself, what happens in the resurrection of the dead? What goes first? What goes last? What goes next? Upon our death, the soul goes first to be the presence of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, starting in verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. But we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That speaks to, upon our death, our soul going to be with the Lord in heaven. <clears throat> but then, at the second coming of Christ, our body is resurrected and rejoined with our soul. At the second coming of Christ to claim his bride, 
Our bodies are resurrected from the dead, rejoin with our souls in a new spiritual body. So you're thinking, okay, the body has been in the grave a long time. There's nothing left but bones. What gets resurrected? That body gets resurrected and changed. It's changed and it's then um, merged together with our souls that are already in heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. So at the second coming of Christ, the bodies are merged with the soul. <clears throat> The resurrection of the dead is a key um, early church establishment to prove that Christ was God. The book of Acts shows us that the resurrected Christ was the very foundation and heart of all the teaching and preaching of the word of God. If there is no resurrection of the Lord, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then we don't really have a gospel, which is the good news. And the good news is salvation through Jesus for eternal life. The whole plan of our redemption is founded on the resurrection. Jesus is alive and living in those who have received his spirit. <clears throat> so when we talk about, you hear people talk about the rapture of the church, the catching away. When you talk about the rapture, most people tend to focus on those that are alive just being caught up in the air. But that's not just who is taken up in the rapture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So the dead in Christ rise first, and then those that are alive follow after. You may wonder, when the Lord was crucified, and in the scripture it talks about the, um, at the time of his death, the curtain in the um, temple was rent in two. And then it talk, 
talks about the graves being opened and people getting up and walking about upon his upon his death. And I think that was a foretelling of what was to come. The people that were, were taken up from the graves and allowed to walk around. <clears throat> the promise of the living Christ is that he will return to claim his bride, which is the church. In Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. <clears throat> I said earlier in the lesson <clears throat> that in order to be part of the resurrection of the dead, to live with Christ eternally in heaven, we have to have his spirit. We have to be part of his bride. My husband has often said that when the Lord returns, he's not coming back for just an individual. He's coming back for a church. He's coming back for his bride. And we have to be part of the church to be part of the bride. So what should we do to ensure that we are resurrected from the dead to be with Jesus forever. First of all, it says to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> and then, we know there are specific things that we need to make a commitment to do and to have in order to be part of the bride. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and receive the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ living in you. And then lastly, in Romans 12, starting in verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We need to... <clears throat> In our, in our life of walking with the Lord and living through Christianity, we need to keep ourselves in a position where <coughs> whenever, the, whenever the trump sounds, whether we're alive or whether we're dead, we need to be ready for when the Lord returns. We can't be left behind because this world offers you nothing. 
all of the chaos and the confusion and the things that we are seeing and hearing in this world. In fact, if you, if you even watch the news, you see that things appear to be getting worse and worse and worse. And there's more worry and there's more fear. And there's, um, you know, the scripture talks about in the last days, perilous times will come. And it feels like we are in perilous times. <clears throat> so there are some things that we can do to keep our focus, to keep our minds right, to keep our hearts right. Tools that will help us prepare for when Jesus returns. One of the things that we need to do is to read our Bible daily. Fill our mind with God's worth and truth. And one of the reasons for that is the world is going to fill your mind with garbage. There's enough garbage out there on the news, on the television, on the radio to fill your mind with garbage. You need to cleanse your mind and fill it with God's word. In John chapter 5, 39, it says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, which is Jesus. Secondly, we need to be in prayer. Many times, um, well, we have various prayer services here at the church, but sometimes you don't see a lot of people participating in prayer services. And part of me wonders why that is, because sometimes people say, well, I couldn't pray for an hour, or I don't know what to say. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Much like I'm talking to you right now, you just need to spend time with the Lord. Talk to him about the things that are going on in your life. Talk to him about the things that you want to see changed. Talk about the things of the people in your family and your friends that you want to see saved. Because the Lord wants us to talk to him. And if we talk to him, he will talk to us. My husband has said that over and over and over again during our 30-some-odd years of marriage. If you will talk to him, he will talk to you. Prayer in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. One of the things I want to make a plug for while we're here on Facebook is that on Sunday morning, prior to the service, our service starts at 10.35, we have a prayer room in the back there that is open. I urge you to come and spend time in prayer before the service, because that you will see a definite change in the atmosphere of the service if you spend time in prayer. You will see an actual change in the, in the way that the Spirit moves through the service if we spend time in prayer and seek his face before that church service. Because when we come to the church service, our objective is to see people saved, to see people baptized, to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. And in order to see those things come about, we need to do our part. We need to do our part by prayer. So join us in the prayer room on Sunday mornings before service. <clears throat> Lastly, 
One of the things to help us prepare for the resurrection is to share our testimony and witness with others. The witness of what God has done for you. The witness of what he's done in your family or with your children or your relatives or your friends. Let people see what God has done for you so that they will be uh, want to say, well, gee, I, I want to know more about that. And invite them to church. When was the last time you invited anyone to church? Invite people to church. Let them feel the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. And you will feel the presence of God, the power of God, and the power of his resurrection. God bless.